You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. In other words, let's say someone comes up and starts telling us a dirty story or a dirty joke or whatever. Hey, you know what? Don't be silent. Speak up. Make a stand. The world has intimidated Christians into silence, trying to make us feel as if we're a bunch of bigoted religious fanatics. Hey, I want to exhort you and challenge you. Stand up. Say, hey, I don't appreciate that kind of language. Take your filth somewhere else. Today, Pastor Michael challenge you to stand up for what is right. The world has intimidated Christians into silence. You've been told you must be sensitive to others' beliefs. The reality is many of these people are living in sin. You don't have to put up with your foul-mouthed co-worker. You can ask that they not use offensive language around you. All this can be done with an attitude of love. If you are unsure how to speak without judgment, ask the Lord to convey it for you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 as he continues his message, Walking with God. Basically, these are the things that they were guilty of. They were ignorant, ignorant of the things of God. They had no knowledge of God. They had no sense of having the capacity to even have a relationship with God. They were alienated from God, and their hearts were blind to the truth. Can you imagine a worse place to live than that? Think about it. After all that we've received, knowing God the way that we know Him, having this wonderful fellowship and communion with God, Could you even imagine going back to that kind of an experience? I can't. You know, how truly, how rich we are, how blessed we are, right? So anyway, we have been made a part of the family of God. Think about this now. These are the things that we weren't even aware of at one time. He's opened our eyes that we might know the richness of his grace and his love towards us in Christ Jesus. So once again, Paul draws this conclusion. Therefore, because of these things, don't walk as the unbeliever walks. Okay, so with that said, how then should we walk? Well, Christ set the pattern for us. Let's jump ahead to chapter 5 and verse 2. In chapter 5 and verse 2, it says that we are to walk in love, as Christ also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for its sweet-smelling aroma. We're to walk in love. 
And that's the badge of Christianity, right? Jesus said that they would know that you are my disciples by your ability to be able to speak in tongues. Did he say that? No, he didn't. And I'm not trying to put that down. I'm not trying to make light of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I happen to possess that particular gift of the Spirit, and I exercise it when uh, I need to. So I'm not discounting the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus said the most important thing. He says, you know, if I can perform all miracles, if I speak in tongues, and if I have not love, I am nothing. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Jesus said that they would know that ye are my disciples by your love one towards another. Folks, that's the badge of Christianity. It's that love of Christ in us and through us that identifies us as one of God's child. So Christ has set the pattern for us. This is the way that we ought to walk. How are we supposed to walk? We're to walk in love. But then later on, here in chapter 5, jumping ahead, in verse 25, and again, in context, this has to do with the marriage relationship. We're going to get into all of this later on. We're not going to skip over any of this stuff. We'll go back and we'll, we'll revisit it and address it. and We'll talk about marriage and God's design for the marriage relationship in one of our future studies. But notice in chapter 5 and verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That's a pretty weighty responsibility, isn't it? But that's exactly the way that we are to walk. The love that we are to give is a self-sacrificing love, right? It's not the type of uh, love that the world has to offer, which is self-centered. We've been given a new center, right? A new pattern to follow. We're to follow after the pattern that the Lord Jesus Christ laid down for us. And so we walk in love as Jesus loved us. But then notice, Paul goes on here to give us some illustrations of unloving ways in which people walk. And the first of which is, and that would be walking in sexual impurity. You know, as we go through this list, it's so common for people who are not believers to walk in this way. You know, this is just the accepted way of living a person's life apart from Christ or knowing Christ. Just accept it, really, in the day and age in which we live. So the first unloving way in which people walk, Paul draws our attention to here, is walking in sexual impurity. Notice in verse 19 here, he says, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. Now, jump ahead to chapter 5 and verse 3, and he gets a little bit more to the point here, and I think that he's talking about sexual impurity or specifically fornication. And so at the very top of the list, Paul is warning us not to give ourselves over to the sin of fornication which is an extremely unloving act. And notice in verse 6 of chapter 5, we are warned by Paul not to be deceived concerning this particular sin. It's so widely accepted. You know, you watch these programs on TV, and they, the way that they project the, the, these relationships, these sexual relationships outside of the marriage 
union. You know, they play it up with the nice music and, and oh, they love each other and they're giving themselves to one another. Folks, that, that's not love. That's, that's lust. And uh, people are deceived about this. We're warned in verse 6. What does it say there? Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And so the world today has been deceived in regards to the act of fornication. When two people want to engage in promiscuous sexual sin, they say to one another, let's make love. Yet the Bible tells us it is an extremely unloving act. Because true and real love is not involved in the act at all. You see, if I really loved you, I would not seek to entice you into a relationship that can damn your soul or scar you emotionally. Enticing someone into a relationship that would violate his or her conscience before God. Folks, that's not love. And so it is totally wrong when the world refers to fornication as the act of love. And let me throw this into the mix. You know, if you have embraced that kind of a lifestyle where you're sexually active, right, outside of the marriage relationship, you better be prepared because you're also opening yourself up to sexually transmitted disease as you begin not only to have sex with that particular partner, but with every other partner that your partner has had sex with them as well. It's sort of like plain Russian roulette. And so do you see how fornication is an extremely selfish, self-centered act? Think about that. If someone is putting you in that position, that's not love. They're they're just being selfish. They're being self-centered. Please take that into consideration, okay? It is not an act of love, but it's rather an act of lust. It is the result of self-centeredness and selfishness. That person is seeking to gratify self, not caring about the other person's hurt. Notice, Paul puts fornication at the very top of the list, and he warns us, don't be deceived. This is not the way that believers, that true Christians, that a child of God is to walk. Then secondly in that list, he goes on, the second unloving act, he refers to a person being mastered by greed. Notice there in chapter 5 and verse 3, he talks about the sin of covetousness or selfishness, referring to the self-centered life. Now we've already mentioned this. Instead of the Christ-centered life, which Christ lived to help, and reach out, concerned about other people. He didn't look out for himself. When Jesus spoke of his crucifixion, for example, remember Peter cried, Lord, be it far from you. Spare yourself. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 16 and verse 22. But when they came to take Jesus in Gethsemane, Peter pulled out his sword. And you got to love Peter, right? Old impetuous Peter. One minute he's ready to defend the Lord, He's swinging his sidearm, right? And in the process, cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant, Malchus, right? And uh, Jesus just picks up the ear, I love it, and just puts it back on the side of his head, right? And, uh, you know, one of the last miracles that he performed before his crucifixion was like picking up the pieces of 
something that one of his, his disciples had just messed up, right? And, uh, you know, I, you know that's, a whole, that's a whole other Bible study. But how did Jesus respond when Peter drew his sidearm and begin to swing away? He said, Peter, put away your sword. The cup that the Father has given me to drink, shall I not drink it? And so Christ loved us so much, he gave himself, and we are to love as he loved, self-sacrificing in giving, not thinking of myself. So this should not be named among Christians. That is mastered by greed, the self-centered life, selfishness, covetousness. But then another unloving quality that Paul refers to here is uncleanness. Notice in chapter 5 and verse 3, he says, uh, put fornication and all uncleanness. Uh, let it not be named among you. Now, what was he talking about here? He sort of already addressed it in chapter 4 in verse 19. He says, who have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness. Now, those words can literally be translated from the Greek, impure or filthy. And, and you know what? There's a lot of people who, that's just the way that they live their lives. Impure and filthy. There are some people that leave a stench behind them wherever they go. That's the fruit of their lives. You know, you know Pigpen, Charlie Brown? He always has the cloud of dust over him. I, there are some people that I know that are exactly like that. Wherever they go, the stench follows them. They leave that destruction behind them. There are just some people that are filthy, and they pollute everything that they touch. So Paul is warning us, don't be like those kinds of people. You could probably, you're probably thinking of someone exactly like that right now. Then also, some other unloving actions, and this is sort of related to what I've just suggested. Then also some other unloving actions is the telling of dirty jokes. Notice in chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. So notice, foolish talking or coarse jesting. So what's involved with this? Well, there are just certain people that always have this capacity to plant this permanent filth in other people's minds. You know, I can still recall jokes, songs, rhymes that were told me from when I was a kid. And I wish I could rid myself of those things. Every once in a while, they just out of the blue. You know, things that I shouldn't be thinking about. I wish I could rid myself of those things, but unfortunately, they come up. Sometimes I'll be in prayer, and right in the middle of prayer. It's so weird. Don't you wish that you could have rid, that you could rid yourself of or the thoughts or, you know, those things? They were planted by unconcerned and uncaring people. Hey, listen, I'm concerned about our children today. Those pure, innocent little minds can become corrupted through the filth the world is going to try and dump upon them through TV, through magazines, through media, unloving, greedy people seeking their own profit, pouring filth upon them. Hey, 
Here's the warning. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 18 and verse 6. He says, Whosoever shall offend or corrupt one of these little ones which believe in me, it's better for them that a millstone were hanged about his neck and they were thrown into the sea. Oh, polluting the mind of someone else. Notice again in verse 6, don't be deceived. Oh, these things are innocent. Oh, the jokes, the limericks, the rhymes. Oh, they're so innocent. It's okay. But listen, don't be deceived. Paul tells us these are the things that will bring down God's wrath and judgment. Okay, so we've gone through all of the lists. How not to walk. Okay, and now for the remainder of our time together, let's talk about how we should walk. And Paul goes on then, and this will become our third point, chapter 5 and verse 8, we are to walk in the light. Notice what he says in verse 8 of chapter 5. For you were once in darkness, how true that was, but now you are light in the Lord. Therefore, here's the conclusion, walk as children of light. In Matthew's Gospel in chapter 5, in verse 14, Jesus referred to his disciples as the light. He said, ye are the light of the world. And for the most part, he was addressing a bunch of fishermen, right? And uh, they were probably startled. Could you imagine? You know, here's, like, for example, let's use Peter as an example. Here's this burly fisherman kind of a guy. Jesus turns to him and he says, Peter, you are the light of the world. What a, a weighty, weighty description. And I'm sure Peter and the rest of the guys were pretty startled by that announcement. But that's exactly it. We are to walk in the light. And it's true. We are the light of the world. In 1 John chapter 1, in verses 6 and 7, he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, now we're all saying that, that's the claim that we're making. When you say that you're a Christian, when you say that you're a child of God, as if you were saying you have fellowship with him, right? So if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ continually cleanses us from all sin. We are the light of the world. So Paul tells us here in verse 9 that to walk in the light is to walk in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So just in case you were wondering, what does it look like to walk in the light? Well, Paul goes on to answer that question there in verse 9. Take a look at chapter 5 and verse 9. He says that the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's the way that we're supposed to walk. That's what walking in the light looks like. Let me say it again. In all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Do you see that there in verse 9? But then also, it's more than just not having fellowship, more than just not walking, it's reproving as it arises. Notice what he says there in verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Oh, wow. This place is quite a demand upon us. You see, it's reproving as it arises, as we're exposed to sin. 
In other words, let's say someone comes up and starts telling us a dirty story or a dirty joke or whatever. Hey, you know what? Don't be silent. Speak up. Make a stand. The world has intimidated Christians into silence, trying to make us feel as if we're a bunch of bigoted religious fanatics. Hey, I want to exhort you and challenge you. Stand up. Say, hey, I don't appreciate that kind of language. Take your filth somewhere else. Tell them God doesn't approve of your lifestyle. How about standing up? And listen, this kind of a practice protects you for the future. If you're polite when they come around your desk at the water cooler in the cafeteria and start telling you those dirty stories, and if you're polite and if you tolerate the filth, guess what? It'll open the door for the next time. But if you respond, that's disgusting. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Believe me, they won't come around the next time with the story to tell. Amen? Amen. Stand up, man. Right? You know what? I know you're a minority, but don't shrink from this responsibility. Stand up. Stand up. It'll protect you. And then finally, the last way that we are to walk here, according to Paul, is that we are to walk circumspectly. Notice there in chapter 5 and verse 15. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The word circumspectly can be literally translated watchful, discreet, cautious, and prudent. In other words, give yourself over completely to follow Jesus. You're all in, man. You're going all out, right? You know, but here's the problem. The problem with some Christians is that they want to live close to the border. They want enough of Christianity to make it in, right? Let me share an observation with you, and I've seen this so often. Someone comes along and asks the question, Pastor Mike, is it all right for me to do this? Is it all right for me to do that? Pastor Mike, is it okay for me to have a drink? Is it all right for me to go out with the guys on Friday after work to the bar? Listen, if you are walking circumspectly, you're not interested in borders. You're walking totally and completely with the Lord as you possibly can. That total dedication. You are absolutely sold out for the Lord. You're all in. Remember, and, and this is the basis of, of Paul's uh, discussion here and his conclusion, remember what God has done for you, and now therefore walk as one of his children. Amen? Amen. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Thanks for joining us. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House. Be sure to subscribe and let us know you're a listener in the comments. 
If you don't have a church that you call home, we'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, you can reserve your seat by clicking on Contact and then the Register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live-streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to hear today's message again or to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to our continuing study of Ephesians next time, right here on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled. I remember what you said.